0: For me personally doing a podcast writing speaking at conferences really focusing on my network this is really what helped me a lot i had to switch jobs recently i didn't really look that hard for job i reached out to a few people i knew but i was my last day was on a thursday By Friday, I had two job offers. And a lot of this was because the day, my last day, I said, hey, I'm looking for a job. And I contacted a few people and I had a job that quick. You know, if you build a name for yourself, people see your skills, you're being displayed. It's going to make you a lot easier finding the job. You won't be replaced by AI. You'll be replaced by someone that uses AI. So like writing has been one of the biggest areas I've seen to help using it to write scripts. But the thing about this is when you're using AI as a tool, then you have to understand something about it. You just can't go through this in their expected work if you don't understand how to develop code you're going to have a lot of problems with it yeah i think people are starting to realize that you know just because someone doesn't have much experience so they're new that, that they're not talented because there's a lot of young sharp talented people out there and even people that that are second or third career they're they're doing really well they're putting in the time and effort to do it and when you're passionate about it and you put in the time you can be really good because as i kind of mentioned some people just do it for a job they get bored and they continue they They don't continue to grow and they fall behind.
1: But if you jump on something new, you can leapfrog us.
0: Yes, definitely. And one of the things, anyone listening that's starting out, don't let that intimidate you that someone's got 20 years or even five years, because at the end of the day, it depends on how good you are, how talented you are with that type of, whatever you're wanting to learn. Because there's some people out there that have been doing it 20 years. They're not that great. They just did it, the money. They're not really passionate about it. They're not learning, continue to learn. They kind of fall behind. But then there's a lot of people up and coming, you know, that are that are really good. They got really good work ethics put in. So don't let that bother you.
1: Now there are many reasons to use a VPN. When I was recently traveling in the United States, I couldn't access sites in the UK. As an example, I went to a financial services website. I tried to access it, but couldn't because it told me that I wasn't based in the UK. Here's a very simple example. So I'm trying to go to the BBC, bbc bbc.co.uk, and what you'll notice is it redirects me to bbc.com. It's a different website, and the content is different on those two websites. So basically, the BBC is geolocating you, depending on whether you're in the UK or somewhere else, the information that you displayed will be different, and you're gonna get ads on the bbc.com website, but not necessarily on the bbc.co.uk website. That's a very basic example. I think the example that most people think of is Netflix. Depending on where you're located in the world, the movies that are available to you will be different. So apart from all the security reasons for using a VPN, you can change your location to, for instance, get access to websites that you need to get access to. I'm not saying that you should do this with Netflix, but in my example, when I was traveling, I couldn't access certain websites websites because it said I was based in the US rather than the UK now the VPN that I use and have been using for a long time is proton VPN I originally started using them based on the discussions with hackers and cybersecurity experts, as well as information that I read in books such as these, How to Hack Like a Ghost, Linux Basic for Hackers and Extreme Privacy. Fantastic books if you're interested in privacy topics or cybersecurity or hacking. Personally, I use a VPN a lot, especially when I'm traveling because I don't trust networks that say free Wi-Fi normally i wouldn't connect to them but if i have to connect to them i'd only use them if i've got a vpn enabled and once again the vpn that i use is proton vpn and i really want to thank proton for sponsoring this video hey everyone it's david bumble back with a very special guest philip welcome
0: thanks david thanks for inviting me back it's always a, an honor to to be on your show
1: Philip, it's great to have you back. Just for everyone who hasn't seen our previous video or doesn't know who Philip is, and you should know who he is. He's one of the authors of this book, the Pen Tester Blueprint, fantastic book if you want to get into pen testing. Philip, it's great to have you back. Last time we spoke about your book and sort of updates for how people can get into cybersecurity and become a pen tester. I'd like to get your feedback now, or an update now for 2024. So, in 2024, you know what should I do? But before we start with that, you went to Black Hat recently, um, and you, you I think you told me offline there were questions that people were asking you. Perhaps you can give us some feedback about that and the kind of common questions that you received or you know, people asked you.
0: Yes, uh, it, was, it was a fun experience. So it was Black Hat, Middle East and Africa. So it was a very fun experience. It was, it was kind of nice to, to be somewhere else because most of the conferences I speak at are in the US. So kind of good to get more of an international audience and kind of getting their questions and stuff. Pretty similar questions to to what I'm you know what I get here, but you know some of the major questions is educational uh, platforms where should I learn? One of the, yeah. the advice I've been giving for many years, but I've kind of changed within the past year is I used to really tell people to focus on building a home lab, and now I've kind of changed that to using more of the cloud based uh, options that are out there because uh, unless you need the experience building the home lab, I think it's better to to spend your time learning the content that you need to be a penetration tester opposed to spending time troubleshooting a lab. You know, If this was someone that's wanting to be a network administrator, a system administrator, it's something definitely they want to do. But with the options out there, try Hack Me, Hack the Box, OPSEC, Proving Ground, all these different options, different CTFs, there are a lot of good places out there where people can can do learning without having to build home labs because sometimes that can be kind of uh, limited to people's budget to be able to have a beefy enough server to run enough VMs on it and then worrying about things breaking. Because one of the lessons that, that I kind of reflect back on is early in my IT career, I taught myself how to do web design. I had a Red Hat Linux server running my DNS, my uh, mail send mail on there for my customers email. And one night I came home from work and the hard drive died. I had to rebuild wow. that whole system. And yeah. instead of spending time building websites for people, I was troubleshooting and fixing that. I went to web hosting after that. But all that time I spent troubleshooting and fixing that, I didn't need that experience because I was working as a sysadmin. And so that's kind of taught me if you're if you're really needing to learn anything about security, that's even beyond pen testing. If you're needing to learn that subject, you don't want an environment that's volatile or something you're constantly troubleshooting and, and fixing just to be able to uh, get the experience in and get the education you need.
1: So I mean, you mentioned TryHackMe, Hack the Box. Are those the two big ones that you recommend? And like, which one would I start with? Are there any others that you'd recommend for getting
0: experience? Sure, I'd say uh, TryHackMe is a good one because it's a little more newbie friendly. It They have a little more step-by-step yeah. instructions. It's kind of, I really recommend people start with that and they go on to Hack the Box. Although with Hack the Box, with their Hack the Box Academy, they've added a lot more education, educational content on there. And a, and a big plus for people that may not know this, and I know this from, from working previously for ID and being familiar with one of the former uh, developers that developed content at INE, uh Demetrios, he used to work there. He was part of eLearn Security and built a lot of that original content that eLearn Security had. eLearn Security used to be the biggest competition for offensive security, now OffSec. And so he's over there at, at Hack the Box now. And they're doing training a little bit different, you know, like a lot of the stuff that i was doing and some of the video training or some of the training out there is a lot of video in labs. And some people like more text, read it short to the point and, and get through it. So if, if anyone liked the old e-learn security style is kind of influenced by that, but really great content. They've got certifications now like a pen tester cert, uh, bug bounty cert, which is actually a web app pen testing cert. They've got cloud stuff. I mean, it's a really, really good uh, option out there, and, and all their content is up-to-date, up to, up, up to date, new, and then adding more content as they go along. Over-the-wire and under-the-wire CTFs are good places to practice your hacking skills. Over-the-wire is Linux-based, and under-the-wire is uh, Windows-based. So not only can you learn security and hacking in those, both those platforms with the Windows option, you're able to learn some PowerShell with the Linux version. You're able to understand Linux security more. So those are a couple of good options as well, and they're completely free.
1: I mean, what I love about your book, and I'd highly recommend it for anyone who's starting, is that you go through like a roadmap of how to start from like zero to hero, if you like, and you. Philip, perhaps you can, you know, go through some of this. Like you mentioned, a whole like certs. You mentioned labs now. Right in the beginning, you talk about prerequisite skills, and then you get into like certifications. And you've kind of mentioned, as I as I said, some of those already. So perhaps you can give us a roadmap. Like if I'm starting in 2024, perhaps just come out came out of school, or I'm still in school. I just recently interviewed someone who's 18 years old, and he's getting like bug bounties ready for hacks that he's doing. But let's say someone who's older wants to, you know, move from another job to to become a pen tester like you. Can you give us like a roadmap? Like where do I start? Do I need to start like with A+, or where do I start? And you know, it's kind of give me like the path that you would take if you were starting now in 2024.
0: Sure, if I was starting new, and this is was kind of a, a good example, cause someone in our local Dallas cybersecurity community, when I first met him and anyone that's on, has been on Twitter or for a while, uh, or X now is this called, was TinkerSec. And so when I met Tinker, he was a an IT recruiter and he wanted to get into security. So he learned Linux and learned like security onion and all these other technologies that would be helpful in a sock role and learning Linux. He was working on all that, but at the same time too, he was going through the A plus content uh, network plus a security plus to gain those basic skills. Now you don't necessarily have to get those certifications, just learn the content. And one good resource, that I like is Professor Messer, his YouTube channel. He's got D- Plus Content, Network Plus, and Security Plus. So just getting through that content and understanding it will, will put you in a good place to start learning the security and hacking content, like on Hack the Box, uh, try hack me and those other platforms. So that's kind of where I would start there. Make sure you learn it too, because one of the things people get in too big of a hurry to want to jump into the hacking piece. So make sure you learn the fun <laughs> world. <laughs> one wants to it's like you want to skip to dessert and, and bypass dinner so yeah make sure you're learning those basics and take your time learning it because a good lesson i learned from someone was they went to college and they learned assembly program they had an assembly programming course there and it's one of those courses that basically is question and answer and he did enough to pass the class but once he got in a role as a pen tester doing some reverse engineering some more advanced stuff he had to go back and learn assembly. So while you're going through this stuff, learn. make sure you understand and know it because it's going to help you on the next step of your education journey and then once you get into the field.
1: So in your book, you mentioned A+, plus, network plus, Linux plus, security plus. So Linux is a core skill, right? Some networking, yeah. some hardware, and some basic security knowledge. Is, is that correct?
0: That's correct. And Offensive Security actually offers a free course for, based on Kali Linux. So kind of get those Linux skills. It's not really a pen testing course, they may have some tools in there, but it's more learning the operating system. So this would be a good resource there, especially considering, you know, the two major Linux distributions people are using as pentesters is either Kali Linux or Parrot OS.
1: I think you said it in our previous interview, which I've linked below, fantastic interview that we had. If you wanna learn a bit more about Philip and his background, like fighting bears and stuff, amazing stories, then have a have a look at that video. You mentioned this concept about if you wanna pick a lock, you need to understand how a lock works, right? And it's gonna help you.
0: Yeah, that's, that's really exactly right. Because if you're trying to hack into a system, it's pretty much like picking a lock. If you ever see, they've got some of these clear, transparent locks that you can get and you can see, the pins and the yeah. tumblers and all that to see how it works. So that's the same thing when it comes to trying to hack a system. You have to understand uh, the operating system, whether it's, you know, it could be a, a router you're hacking into or some other kind of network device or windows. So if you get command line access to windows or Linux, then you need to understand the command line. I mean, you can do a lot more Googling and stuff, but if you really need that basics and that's really why you need the fundamentals. So just understanding how that works, understanding the technology. Uh, And that's why some of us that came over from being a sysadmin, it really wasn't that difficult of a path because we already understood the operating system and networking. And so, yeah, understanding how that works, uh, any kind of security control, understanding how it works, makes it easier to break into it. I I know some people in the industry that, that actually will read the manual. If they hadn't worked with this particular application server or a different application, they'll find the, uh, the manual for it and read up on it to understand the technology better. It's going to make it a lot more easier for you to, to breach the system. And you see a lot of security researchers find things that way. They're just like, for instance, spectrops back in 2020, I believe they, they found a vulnerability in active directory certificate services. And they, this was just basically doing research on it. They didn't realize this vulnerability existed, but going through Doing the research, they were studying and learning more about Active Directory and depth. And so just understanding the mechanics of it. And even kind of going in, showing some of the backgrounds of the experience you may have. Say if you happen to work on automobiles, there's actually pen testers that test uh, automobiles. So if you understand how those computer systems work, how the car works, then it's going to be a lot easier for you to learn how to pen test or secure that type of environment over someone that doesn't have that background. So understanding technology is very, very helpful. I mean, even if you're wanting to be a good pen tester, then learning different technologies, learning cloud, taking the classes, it's not always about the hacking classes. Uh, Fortunately, when I got my first job as a pen tester, the hiring manager saw the value in building things and learning. And part of the reason I got hired was because I had a home lab. I taught myself web design. A lot of the things I knew in security were self-taught. So they were kind of looking for that.
1: I mean, that's fantastic. I mean, I think you've mentioned it, uh, do you need to get the certifications or do you just need to go through the content?
0: You need the content. Certifications kind of help you get the foot, your foot in the door. Yep. And so pulling some kind of certification sh- will help unless you unless you're really leveraging your network. If you're really doing well on your networking, you can get your resume to a hiring manager. If, you know, you could get in without it. Some of the best hackers and pen testers I know have zero certifications or haven't taken any certification courses. They've done other ways of self-learning and other content, but you don't necessarily have to have the certifications, but any of that stuff is helpful. And one of the things I think that's super helpful too, we're kind of, you, you remember before in the past that artists and graphics designers would have to have a portfolio. We're kind of an age now that aspiring security professionals or security professionals really need to have a portfolio. I mean, if you're doing any kind of scripts, have a GitHub. Uh, if you're writing content, put that on medium or your GitHub or a blog doing video content and walkthroughs. You see a lot of people now that are, uh, you know, really popular influencers And the way they got started was creating YouTube content to teach themselves. And that's kind of how they got into it. So any of that stuff you can put out there, the more helpful it is. We had someone in our local community that came to our DEF CON two one four meeting in Dallas they did a presentation on malware and malware analysis. A hiring manager from Citigroup was in the audience, saw his demonstration, and basically he did kind of a technical interview before he he didn't even realize it. Not only putting this content out there, also going to different meetups, presenting at different meetups. You know, a hiring manager sees your, your LinkedIn profile. If you've got links to the videos and stuff we've had on there, if you've got someone that has all the exact credentials and experience you do, you're the one that's going to stand out more. And on that same topic, you look at the brand building thing and how it's really helped people yep. in content. Uh, Serena, she networks is another prime example. Yeah. She She's was great. creating. Yeah, she was creating content on TikTok and then moved over to YouTube and is originally like Cisco content. And then yep. she started doing some, some pen testing stuff. Black Hills Information Security Group saw the value of that. They really invest heavily into their marketing as far as, effort in the people they use, maybe not dollar wise, but content creation wise. So content creation is a, is a big deal. So if you're doing these things, these are extra things to help you. For me personally, doing a podcast, writing, speaking at conferences, really focusing on my network. This is really what helped me a lot. I had to switch jobs recently and I didn't really look that hard for a job. I reached out to a few people I knew, but I was, I, my last day was on a Thursday by Friday I had two job offers. And a lot of this was because, wow. because you know, I, I basically, the day my last day I said, hey, I'm looking for a job. And I contacted a few people and I had a job that quick. So if, you know, if you build a name for yourself, people see your skills, you're being yeah. displayed, it's gonna make you a lot easier finding a job. And you know, 2023 was a bigger a, a, a challenge because you know, there's always the shortage of talent. Yeah. And people were trying to adjust to appease the shareholders plan for any recession. And it got a lot more difficult. So things like personal branding, uh, you know, having a GitHub, writing articles, doing video walkthroughs is a way to set yourself, aw- a, you know, away from the rest. Because there's some really super talented people out there, but sometimes the people who get the jobs are the ones that really put themselves out there and have a strong brand.
1: I was going to say that because you know I get pushback on YouTube. And I mean, I'm sure you get the same thing. People are saying the market isn't as good as it was a few years ago. Oh, and what's your thoughts? Because it sounds like there's so many open positions, yet there's so many beginners who's struggling to get a job.
0: Yeah, I think there it, there's open positions out there and it's kind of tricky because as soon as someone lays off, other companies are hiring. It's just, it's a lot more difficult market. And I, that's that's got to change at some point. And really for people trying to break in, is that's the most difficult for them, getting the experience. So if you're going to college, make sure you Take an internship. Get an internship. I really like to see apprenticeship programs because we really need to to bring up and educate people to help keep up with the demand. And there's not enough being done in that area. But if we could do like apprenticeships, if a company offered an apprenticeship, someone comes in, you know, three months or six months, and if they do a good job, hire them on full time. But if they don't, maybe they're they're not worth. You know, they can't justify the budget. Maybe they're they're not that perfect fit. But you're still letting someone get three months, six months worth of experience, now they got experience to move on somewhere else. And that's where it gets difficult not having the experience. And so this is where you really have to optimize your networking. Online yeah. is great, but you also need to do the in-person. I'd have to say, I think that my network probably wouldn't be as strong as it is if it wasn't for the in-person stuff. And so find like your different cybersecurity meetup groups, the hacker associations, we have a Dallas Hackers Association. Those are throughout the world. Like in India, you have null null groups, you have uh, DefCon groups, OWASP groups, and these are good. But one of the things, and they're fun, the more hackerish type of meetups. But one thing to keep in mind is your your ISSA groups, your ISACA groups, these more professional groups. This is where your your hiring managers are going to be at. In a lot of cases, they're trying to help people. These are good mentorship opportunities. And so, matter of fact, speaking of ISSA, I met a young couple of young men earlier this year, and I've been kind of mentoring and helping them them out. And one of them just recently got a job and you know, we were introduced to this ISSA uh, meeting.
1: That's amazing. I mean, so I just want to flip back to networking because I'm uh, talking about the other type of networking. A question that often gets asked is CCNA or Network Plus, or doesn't it matter?
0: Yeah, I would say either of those, those knowledges to be good. Uh, CCNA is going to have some stuff that's applicable across All different networking types, but network plus would probably be an easier one. And as far as entry level certs, my wife back in 2018 or 2017 went back to school to learn digital forensics. And I was talking to a lot of people that were looking for entry level security folks. And two of the certifications I kept hearing were Network Plus and Security Plus. Yeah, so yeah, actually I used to have the, actually had the CCNA myself.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I'm I biased <laughs> because of my history with Cisco. I I love the CCNA and I think it's a fantastic cert. But it's good, you know, it's good to get your opinion because I, I get the same thing from other people I interview that Network Plus is enough. You don't have to go and do CCNA, even though I think CCNA is a fantastic way to open doors. You know, you can open other doors as well.
0: Yeah, that's even like, if you look at the sysadmin site, you know, I don't know yeah. if the MCSE is around. I used to have the MCSE and in network uh, C and E, and those used to be kind of requirements, but, you know, having that knowledge, because I have people reach out to me all the time, say, yeah, you, you know, you're a sysadmin, you did all this, you were network security, application security. Do I have to have that background before I get started? And you really don't. It's just attaining that knowledge. So understanding that at a good level, the networking requirements for a pentester is not quite as much as someone that's a network administrator. But, you know, it's not going to hurt anything to learn, uh, you know, go the Cisco route. Some people do the CCNA and then get the security certs they have there. That doesn't hurt. That can open up roles as a network security person. And if you have your foot in the door in IT or cybersecurity is going to make it easier to get into a pen testing role.
1: I think that's very valid. And I always I always get the question people ask, like, is it this or that? And my attitude is, you know, why do you always choose one or the other? You can do more. It's not as if, you know, you have to do this and not another cert because like Cisco certs can help you in other areas, just from an understanding point of view. Um, it's not like you have to do this or this, that you can do more and it just makes you a better person, right?
0: Yeah, and even going back to like the, the comparison between Network Plus and the Cisco certs, if you're doing a network pen test, you understand if you get access to a Cisco device, you're going to understand how to com- how to navigate the command line there yeah. and know how to use the device, understand the security of it. If you just went network plus, then that's some of the things you may not understand. But typically the network hosts, you'll us- usually get access to will either be like desktops or servers. And now, you know, with a lot of these hybrid environments, people are using cloud and on-prem or, or purely cloud. And so cloud is another area too that people uh, should really take a look at. Because whenever I was getting started in pen testing, you know, you had some data centers where things were hosted, but there really wasn't cloud back then, and so it's really shifted more to a a hybrid or a cloud type environment. So even understanding technologies like cloud, taking some of those uh, more lower level entry level cloud certs to get those, because I think there may be some of those that are free or very low low price, and if you gain that, that's kind of helpful. You know, if you're competing against someone else that doesn't have the cloud, you're going to come out on top because so many companies are using cloud in some way or another. I don't think it's anything going away. there you know, some people are purely in the cloud and and some people are hybrid. Philip, now the um
1: the important part, right? In your in chapter six in your book, it's Certifications and Degrees, we've kind of spoken about this already, uh, but I want to get like the roadmap because um, you've got CEH here, Pentest Plus, EJPT, a few certs, and last time you spoke about it, and this time you've also mentioned Hack the Box. Let's say I've done like Linux Plus, I've got the basic knowledge, prerequisite knowledge. Yeah. Which security or pen testing search should i go for
0: something like ejbt has been fairly popular and i would recommend something like ejbt or tcm academy has their their junior pen testing cert or their P, pnpt cert one of those those are actually becoming more widely recognized because tenable the company that creates the nessus vulnerability scanner and some of their job descriptions they were actually looking for the pjpt and so those are some more popular ones i'd really go that route over the ceh or pentest plus some companies if you're doing business with the government or if you're working for the government they like some of those dod certs like pentest plus and ceh you know ceh was probably the very first uh yeah. pentesting or ethical hacking cert out there but also would try to go for more of the practical certifications so like uh the pjpt uh, oscp and some of those are more practical so meaning You've got a lab environment. You have to perform a pen test against those targets to get certified. And that's really more practically showing how to use that knowledge that you're not just able to answer questions. And people really, really like that. You're actually able to demonstrate. And if you look at, you know, like you look at, like the the CCIE from Cisco, that's like the top cert they have. And you have to not only do the question, questions in the, in, in the first section, you have to go into the labs and perform troubleshooting and different things and even like the Red Hat cert that was more practical. I mean I remember back in my SysAdmin days the CCIE and then the Red Hat certification were two of the biggest certs. If you had those you could write your write your own paycheck with those. And so the with those practical certifications it proves that you can actually do the work and not just answer a question.
1: So give me the roadmap like what would you do? Like let's say 2024 what would you do? Is it um TCM perhaps or like hack the box and then go OECP or what, what What would be your path?
0: Either like uh TCM Academy or hack the box, the certifications yep. there at hack the box are, are pretty good It's practical, they have extensive lab environments to, you know, practice that stuff. And so that's one of the advantages you get with hack the box is you, the, the environment is just unreal, all the targets you have. So taking something like that, because even like the cert that they're offering now, their pen testing cert would be recognized because. There's some companies like Cobalt.io. Cobalt is a uh, pen test as a service. One of their paths and also Cynac Red Team, their path to, to join them or do pen testing for them is you have to go, well, you can use their, uh, hack the box, to go through those labs, go through those challenges. And if you do these certain challenges, then you're in line for an interview. So to get your foot in the door for an interview. And so working on something like that, EJPT, the PNPT, or either like the certification from from Hack the Box is a good starter, and then maybe work on the OSCP as like a next next step, because it's pretty widely recognized and respected. Some of the certs like CEH and, and Pentest Plus may help you get like a job internally as a pentester and organization, but usually consulting firms are gonna want something a little more, more practical, takes practical experience to get.
1: So the crown jewel, I think last time you mentioned for like getting a job would be OSCP, right?
0: Yeah, it's still pretty popular. It's 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 evolved and kind of updated to to be more recent. Before they didn't have Active Directory, Active Directories involved in it. But some of the things I'm seeing about these, they really don't. None of them really have a clear picture of what you're seeing in the real world. I mean, you do see some Active Directory, but I think really for someone to come out with a, a next level cert, someone needs to do something with an environment that's like a hybrid environment where it's you know some cloud and on prem technologies for people to. To be able to test, because that's what you're going to see in the real world. So
1: 2024, if I was starting basic mm-hmm. networking, Linux stuff, then perhaps do um, hack the box certs, and then go for offensive it's an offsex, um, so uh, OSCP cert, and that's sort of the roadmap that I should follow, right? Yes. So Philip, I mean, you made some really good points. I mean, the cloud is is big, so you know, it, it'd be great to get more like a cloud hacking cert. But what about developers? Because you know, some people might be into dev, they might wanna hack like web applications, stuff like that. Is there sort of a path for them?
0: Sure, and that's probably one of the more uh, popular areas. And one of the nice things about web is you can do bug bounties to get experience. Yeah, The so web is very popular. So if you're a developer, even if someone, if you're like a, a quality assurance engineer, you're testing out the applications, you're already looking for bugs, maybe not security bugs, but those are really good paths that developer to move over to web app pen testing because basically you're going to need to learn the security piece of it and and the hacking piece. So SANS has their, their, uh, GWAPT cert, which is a web app pen testing cert, but also like INE has a web app pen testing cert. And one of the ones that I'm a big fan of that that's fairly new is the bug bounty cert through, uh, hack the box. They call it a bug bounty cert, but it's truly a web app pen testing certification. Uh, also, Swigger Web Application Secure, Security Academy, and, and a mutual friend of ours, uh, Rana Khalil, does the whole series on uh, Swigger Web Academy, and that's totally free resource there. Using Rana's videos can make it even a better educational yeah. uh, experience and make your, you know, be a lot better, a lot easier to learn it than trying to just purely go through, through their academy. Uh, also, Offensive of security, they've had an advanced web app pen testing cert for several years that deals more with like source code, more advanced pen testing, but they came out with the OSWA earlier this year or, or towards the end of last year. That's a web app pen testing cert that's more relevant to what you're actually doing real world. Cause you're not always dealing with source code, especially when you're starting out as a beginner web app pen tester, you're not doing some of this advanced testing. So something like that would be good to to gain those skills.
1: I'm glad you mentioned Rana. I mean, Rana has amazing videos uh, on YouTube yes. and she's also on Udemy now. So fantastic to have her on Udemy. So for everyone who's watching, I've put a link below to Rana's videos. Fantastic resource. I'm so glad you you mentioned that because she does an amazing job teaching that. Um, no. And she comes from a dev background. So, you know, someone fantastic to learn from.
0: And one of the things that, that that's really nice too about her videos is a lot of these, like Port Swigger Web Application Security Academy, you use Burp Suite, and there's these ways of doing it, but also Rana also goes through and shows you how to create Python scripts to do the same thing. She goes like a step above and beyond. So. You mentioned
1: Bye. bug bounty a few times, and it's it, when it comes to experience, it's that old, old problem, right? How do I get, I need a job to get experience, but they want experience for me to get the job. So is bug bounty a way to get experience or any other suggestions to like, if I, if I'm new, how do I get experience practically?
0: So bug bounty is a good way to get experience. And I had a talk with someone back in 2020, a hiring manager for a pen testing company. And when I say this, don't make it, don't worry that there's not pen testing jobs out there for the listeners. There's lots of web app pen testing jobs. But one of the things he brought up to me, it, he said it was a lot easier to find web app pen testers than it was network pen testers because the bug bounty has given people experience. And it's really sad. There's not nothing out there from the infrastructure perspective. But bug bounties are really good because not only are you going to, you're actually putting experience in your resume. People realize that if you do bug bounty, you're finding bugs that you can perform pen testing. But there's also options out there like Cynac and, uh, Cobalt. They do what's kind of referred to as pen tests as a service. It's not just really a bug bounty. People are performing full fledged pen tests and with them, basically all you have to do is, uh, pass their technical entry entrance exam. They maybe get web app to test. Or some of the pass on on uh, hack the box. If you score high enough, you can get interviews and get into that. So that's a really good way to get get experience. And with uh, Cobalt, I mean the different with the bug bounty, you have to find bugs to get paid. With Cobalt or synac you do the pen test. You're getting paid for that. And and once you work for like synac or Cobalt for you do that for a year, then it's going to be easier to go in and find a, a pen testing role somewhere because you actually got pen test experience. The experience you're gaining is going to help you through the pen test interview. Someone asks you how to use certain functions in Burp Suite or about these different vulnerabilities in the OWASP top 10. If you're able to explain those and how to prevent or mitigate those vulnerabilities, that's going to go a long way. And that's another thing too, like a good interview tip, is if you're going for pen test interviews, even if it's not web app pen testing, understand the OWASP top 10 because you're going to get asked questions about. SQL injection, cross-site scripting, people are asking you about the different types and how you prevent or remediate those types of vulnerabilities.
1: Yeah, and Ron is Ron's course goes through all of that, so great way to learn. Philip, you were mentioning like networking versus like uh, web hacking. So I wanted to ask this question. 2024, what do you think are the hot areas that if I'm new I should focus on? Uh, one that, you know, came up quite a bit recently was api so API hacking was like a big area is it is that still good you know where would you focus your time and energy if you were starting now
0: yeah API is still hot that's a good area to focus on cloud is good to focus on the nice thing about API if you're learning web app pen testing this is a similar technology so really you know sometimes you' are doing a web app pen test you may may find apis because what apis do is make it enter, easier to interact on different platforms back in my sysadmin days in the late 90s early 2000s do you remember the middleware servers? We used to have like Microsoft BizWorks and what it did was yeah. make it easy to interact between different platforms, mainframes, AS400s, and all this, use this connect, but now API is, you know, you can communicate through mobile device, through Mac, Windows, Linux, those different operating systems makes it easier to communicate. So API is a definite must, uh, Some interesting things to get on to get into as well as some of the web three technologies, like some smart contracts. Those are some interesting areas. One of the interesting things that, uh, blackout MEA, they had a smart contract hacking village there, which was kind of interesting. And also getting into some of the APIs. I mean, some of the AI stuff, because there's a company called protect AI that launched a bug bounty program. It was the first bug bounty program for AI, you know, machine learning and, uh, large learning platform, large learning management systems. They're doing bug bug crowds, I mean, bug bounties on that. But another thing is too, uh, NetSpy recently started doing uh, AI pen testing. So if anyone's going to school for any kind of data analysis, getting into AI, that's a good one to learn because with everyone jumping on the AI bandwagon, they're going to need AI pen testers.
1: I love it. I mean, I'm, I'm so glad that you're giving uh, giving us these updates. Just for everyone who's watching, I interviewed Corey who wrote this book, Hacking APIs, fantastic book. And what I love about what Corey and, and the team are doing is they've also got free training. So if you wanna learn how to hack APIs, I'll put a link below so that you get free training there and they have a certification that you can also take. The training is free, you pay for the cert, but I mean, it's, Philip, it's fantastic these days. You know, free a lot of free training out there from people like Rana um, and Corey's team. Uh, Corey created a bunch of the courses and you can get experience these days by doing bug bounty. So it, it seems in some ways a lot easier than when we started.
0: Yes. It's funny that that it was so much easier to hack back then. Things are more complicated, but there's a lot more free content, free or low price content. Because whenever I started learning to pen test, I took the OSCP course because I had run vulnerability scanners. I did security and, and all these other things. But I didn't have the hacking piece and I took offensive securities course, which at the time was maybe fifteen hundred dollars for ninety days uh, training time, but there's a lot more less expensive opportunities out there. Offensive security's gotten more expensive and and it's kind of good to have the competition because everyone tries a little bit harder when there's yeah. competition.
1: I agree. So APIs. Uh, AI seems, so again, let's say you were starting today. Uh, I mean, I think it really depends on your experience and what you love, right? But yes. um, AI would be a great place to to look at, right?
0: Yes. And the thing is with AI, just using it to learn how to write with, using AI in general, because one of my favorite quotes was, you won't be replaced by AI, you'll be replaced by someone that uses AI. So like writing has been one of the biggest areas I've seen to help, uh, you know, using it to write scripts. But the thing about this is when you're using AI, as a tool, then you have to understand something about it. You just can't go throw this in their expected work. If you don't understand how to develop code, you're going to have a lot of problems with it. Same thing with writing. You know, if you're, if you're not writing on a certain subject or whatever, you understand the subject, then trying to get correct, accurate content out of it may be more difficult, but using those type of things. And I think just really one thing for listeners to, to keep in mind is keep, keep looking at the new technologies coming out because with cloud People were really late to adopt the security piece. Companies were using cloud, but not very many people were educated on it. And I was kind of late into the game with that. And so just kind of keep up with these technologies because the cool thing is, is there's going to be more and more interesting technologies that are going to evolve as we go. So it's not just that. So if you're if you if you're interested in bills, you can do automobile pen testing. But I think really to find your entry point is find something you're interested in. Because you're going to put in more time and effort to do it. And then if it's fun, then it's not like working and you're gonna be more successful. And then the other thing is look at areas that that may be easier for you to get into. So if you you're working as a sysadmin or network administrator, network pen testing is gonna be a lot easier. If you've been a developer, then web app pen testing is gonna be more more easy for you to learn. So find whatever you need to find early the easiest way in, but as you go along, you can learn other things and and do multiple types of pen testing or specialize. And after a while, it's kind of good to specialize. A good example is Tiberius. Tiberius started out doing network and web app pen tests, but found he liked web app better and he specialized in that. So when you specialize, you can get a lot better at it. It's kind of near impossible to be good at everything. There are some people out there that that can do that, exceptions to the rule, but not everyone. So once you get in there, find what you like, what comes easy for you, get in there and specialize in that. That way you can become better at that.
1: I love the way technology works, though, Philip. I mean, you and I have been around the block a few times. You know, not showing our ages. Um, the, if someone's new, if they jump on the new technology, they can leapfrog us, right? Because you and I might yep. not be so clued up about AI, but if someone who's starting and
0: they jump right into AI,
1: they can be way ahead of us in six months or a year.
0: True, that's that's kind of like cloud. I mean, a lot of people yep. like me, you know, I didn't wasn't taking the cloud courses, but people coming in new, Maybe they were taking cloud and then they decided they wanted to get into cloud security or cloud pen testing. And they just, all they had to do is take the pen testing classes. So, I mean, it's, it's, there a lot of cases they've got more, more skills than, you know, certain skills that we don't have. You know, you, you saw a lot of good jobs coming out. that Amazon was hiring a lot of uh, cloud security folks and really good paying jobs. So a lot of times if you're up to date with the more uh, newer technologies, more cutting edge technologies, sometimes that can, to mean bigger paychecks or or maybe an opportunity may say if you're going into traditional network pen testing, maybe they'd expect more experience but if you got this certain type of experience it's hard to find you know that may be a game changer for you to get your foot in
1: and that's kind of like what i love about it right because you if you jump onto what's new they're not going to expect you to have five years or ten years of ai knowledge because it's too new and that's you know that's how you counteract the people with all the experience, because I think the problem with someone who's starting out is they, they might see all of these people like you with lots and lots of experience and they think, well, I'm, I'm never going to get to that level. But if you jump on something new, you can leapfrog us.
0: Yes, definitely. And one of the things, anyone listening that's starting out, don't let that intimidate you that someone's got 20 years or even five years, because at the end of the day, it depends on how good you are, how talented you are with that type of whatever you're wanting to learn, because there's some people out there that have been doing it 20 years, they're not that great. They just did it. The money, they're not really passionate about it. They're not learning, continue to learn. They kind of fall behind. But then yeah. there's a lot of people up and coming, you know, that are, that are really good. They got really good work ethics put in. So don't let that bother you. I mean, I've seen people, you know, I had a student in one of my classes one time, he showed up one semester and he said, I want to be as good as you, but I want to do it in shorter time. Is that possible? So yeah, you just, all you have to do is learn yeah. the technology. You don't have to spend six years as a sysad admin. You don't have to sp- spend, uh seven years in application security you just learn those skills and move on to that and you can do it quicker so it just all depends on the amount of time you're willing to invest and you know you can learn it quicker the more time you're able to put into it
1: i mean i love it i uh, you know flip of you is like um interviewing someone who's 18 years old who's doing you know bug bounty making money on the side and just learning so much because he has some time he's you know when he was at school he had lots of more time to study and he just had a passion i mean those barriers that we had i think have gone there's so many op- so many opportunities today
0: yeah i think people are starting to realize that you know just because someone doesn't have much experience or they're new that that they're not talented because there's a lot of young sharp talented people out there and even people that that are you know second or third career that are they're doing really well they're putting in the time and effort to do it and when you're passionate about it and you put in the time you can be really good because as i kind of mentioned some people just do it for a job they get bored and they continue they yeah they don't continue to grow and they fall behind
1: philip i obviously would recommend this book for someone who's starting and um, i've got corey's book as well highly recommend this book as well but you know what are your favorite books for 2024 uh, i've interviewed people in the past and the same books seem to come up i don't know if there's any new books that you really like uh you, you obviously mentioned books in 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 this book uh, that you that you really like but you know any new books that you like or any books that you recommend that people buy
0: yeah I'd also second that on on Corey's book I actually had a copy of copy his book and had have, have kind of gone through his his API University course so yeah that's one of the ones I'd recommend there there's another one that's black hat graphql for another uh, graphql hacking for apis that's another another good one out there
1: yeah so in your book you mentioned books like the the hacker playbook you still recommend that
0: yes. And as far as the hacker playbook goes, there's there's three different books, but I would say the must-haves are, are the second and third book. And the third book gets into more red teaming. So if you're interested in more red teaming, then then that's the book to get. And for listeners, the difference between red teaming and pen testing: red teaming is adversary emulation. So you're trying to emulate a threat actor, trying to go undetected. A penetration test, you're trying to follow all the vulnerabilities and hack anything that's possibly exploitable. So that's kind of the difference there. And red teaming is becoming more more popular. It's kind of uh, more one of the niche or specialty areas of uh, pen testing because companies are offensive security because people have been doing pen tests for many years, and they're seeing the need to perform these red team operations too. So that's uh, like I said, the the third book is really good for that.
1: I mean, one of the things about um, like web hacking. Is there there's books that people have recommended, but like I think last time you mentioned, you should just go to Portswigger because they've got the information
0: there, right? Yeah, because they originally wrote the book, the Web Application Security Handbook, the Web Application Hacking Handbook, Hackers Handbook, which is like they refer, used to be the bible of web app pentesting. But the thing, the the authors are, are some of the people that work at Portswigger. They decided to just put all the content online. Used to, you could actually pay. Uh, per hour for lab time was for the old book. And so, whenever they rip wrote the new book, they have the labs for free as well as the learning content. You know, it's a lot easier to update a website, add content than trying to go to a publisher and revise an ad. and add. By the time it comes out, it's not necessarily new. Sometimes
1: that's great. I will list the books below that you have in your book. No Starch seemed to have a lot of great books, right?
0: Yes. Yeah. No Starch has really got some good stuff out there. And usually, as far as like pen testing books, that's some of the best. One of the best places to get pen testing books from, they're consistently putting out a lot of pen testing books. Some of the other publishers don't have quite as many. And one of the things I like about Bill, the CEO and founder of that company, he's very involved in the community. So you see him at the conferences working, uh, the no starch booth there at the at the conferences and stuff. So.
1: so Philip, any last advice before we wrap up? If you were starting out in 2024, any like wisdom from all your years that we haven't kind of touched on
0: the one thing we hadn't touched on and this kind of almost falls under networking but if you're studying find a study group find some people that you're studying yeah. with and this doesn't mean you have to meet in person uh back when i was going through the oscp i had three other people that i was studying with and one is india in india so we haven't got to meet yet but the other two we run into confer- conferences all the time one of them is actually in texas and so by working in that study group, and sometimes this is like joining some Discord servers, people are sharing different yeah. tools and tips. wasn't like we had a call to discuss things. We were saying, hey, I found this tool, you know, I found this blog post, these different techniques and shared it so you can do, you know, it's almost like crowdsourcing your research. You can only do so much as one person, but you've got three or four, 10, even 20 people that you're sharing content with, you'll be able to find things easier than you would on your own.
1: I think that's great advice. You learn so much more from you know just talking to other people. And Philip, that's what's so great about what you've done here. And you've got a podcast as well. You've got to tell us about your podcast and tell us about the things that you're doing because you do a lot for the community.
0: Yeah, one of the things that, that I love about security and especially the community is back in 2018, I kind of turned my focus into more helping other people because one of the things I kind of learned and thought about was, you know, I started thinking about my legacy and I started thinking about, I've always been competitive, I've competed in powerlifting and stuff. And one of the things I started thinking about was, I, you know, I've never, I've never been the best pen tester and I'll, I'll claim that I've never been close to the best pen tester. But at one point I got to where, what can I do to be most helpful and, you know, kind of leave a better legacy. And what that was coaching, because the world needs more coaches and teachers and mentors. Well, that's what I started put my focus into 2018. So that's why I taught at a college, why I started different meetup groups, speak at conferences, do a lot of mentoring stuff. So that's really uh, really what drove me to that. Even writing the book was to be able to share that content with people that I would never get to meet because I gave my Pentester Blueprint talk at many conferences. And every time I would go, it was someone brand new. They hadn't heard it. A lot of people didn't hear it. So I thought the best way to share that is through a book. And so hopefully there'll be some more coming at some point, I've talked about a couple books to a couple different publishers. But my podcast, The Philip Wiley Show, has people sharing their stories. And kind of the motivation was when I was teaching my class at Dallas College, I would share my stories. And the students said, hey, if you have any friends or any people you know in the field, would you bring them in and have them share their stories? So that's kind of what I do through my podcast. I am bringing on different people uh, throughout the industry, not just pen testers, but people in blue team, uh, even some people that are content creators to share how content creation can help. But the biggest thing is sharing stories and motivating people. One of my favorite stories this year, I was at Hack Space Con. There was a couple showed up there to uh, attend my workshop since they, they knew of me and they listened to my podcast and they came to the conference. And when the husband walked away, he was going to school to be a security uh, engineer. He was like a construction engineer and he was changing career paths. And so when he walked away, she told me, thank you for doing your podcast. There's times that your podcast uh, encourages him when I can't. And one of the things I always like to add and tell people, this is not just me. This is the stories that people share. Maybe someone was a construction worker. Uh, I have a good friend that was an AutoCAD drafter that we knew each other. And people listen to his episode, you know, several people that were AutoCAD drafters, they want to move into cybersecurity. So that motivated them. I had someone on a previous podcast that was an esthetician in the beauty industry. She did that for 20 years and then went back to school, got an IT uh, associate's degree, then a security associate's degree. Now she works as a pen tester. So at over 40 something years old, she's in these roles. Some people are always worried. you know. My And what's really funny being my age, whenever I hear anyone think they're old at 30, <laughs> yeah. it's kind of <laughs> funny. But I hear people all the time, I'm 30 years old, I'm 40 years old, I'm 50 years old, am I too old? And you're never too old. If you're passionate about it and want to do it, it's out there. I mean, I've had friends that started in cybersecurity at, at 50 years old, but that's the whole thing, the whole premise around the the podcast, but I also have bring on people to share different security research, to mix it up every once in a while, but a lot of really great stories on how people got started. My, my old podcast actually had Rana on there and, and Jason Haddix I've had. Daniel Meisler on my new podcast, and so it's it's just a lot of fun and just a way. One of the things I like to do too is introduce people to people that are good resources that they can learn from. And this is a good way to introduce people to some really good resources, you know, throughout the world. You know, that people don't even have to know uh, because you know there's so many people you can learn from.
1: I love that, and I mean I need to ask you that question because you've kind of alluded to that. Am I too old? Right? Uh, I get that question all the time. Like uh, same as you, like I'm 30 years old. I'm too old. Um, am not too old at 50 or 40 or whatever?
0: But the interesting thing is, is I've just really never, and you know, people worry about the age thing, you know, I'm 58 years old. I don't run any kind of age discrimination. It's not that hard to find a job based on age and other people I know too, that really not having problems with that. So it's really not limiting you because people realize you have this, you know, for older people, people realize you got this, all this world experience, you've worked across different roles. You've dealt with a lot of people. You know, experience is valuable even when it's not directly tied to what you're doing.
1: Philip, you shared your age. You're 58, and you managed (laughs) to get a job or two job offers the very next day after you 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 lost your your one job, right? Yes. So I think that's an encouragement for a lot of people that you know you're never too old. No, definitely not. So how would you how would you how how are things changed for you because? You know, as you get older, do you are you still going after the same roles, or do you find that sort of the roles change?
0: It's it's kind of changed, but the biggest thing for me is from an education standpoint. I can't stay up late like I used to. When I was going through the OSC <laughs> in twenty thirteen to twenty twelve, I could stay up five o'clock in the morning, get a few hours sleep, and I would be okay. I can't do that anymore, so that's the biggest thing that's been kind of challenging. But one of the things people have to look at too, which was kind of hard to me, sometimes you want to cling on to the. Testing role or being technical. But sometimes as you go along, then you need to move on to like management roles and that type of thing. And, you know, throughout the past year, I've worked for some vendors. So helping out in the marketing side has been helpful because, you know, if you're able to, you know, you're able to market, learn how to market yourself better, you're able to help sell products. And so it's been kind of interesting to do other things. I mean, so some people like the management role. I mean, that's a CISO, CISO role is a something people can shoot for. You don't have to do it right away, but you can spend that time being technical because most of my career were technical roles. And so it's, as long as you like it, I mean, no one says you have to move into management.
1: I think it, I mean, it's a a very good point because a lot of people on YouTube are only focused on, for instance, red teaming, but there's a vast number of roles, right?
0: And that's one of the things I wanna share, would like to share too while we're on the subject is there's more roles out there that are fun roles in security than just pen testing. You know, I spoke to someone early this week. I have a DEF CON group in Denton, Texas, DEF CON 940. And she was working as a developer and she wants to go into compliance GRC work. That interests her. So you don't have to do a specific type of role because some of the things with pen testing is it looks all fun. But some of the things you have to do is work late hours because companies sometimes worry about you taking down systems during production. So you may work from midnight till 6am or something like that. I've had uh pen tests where I was working from 6pm to 6am. So sometimes it's not the most fun hours. And something like GRC is more nine to five. Sometimes the, pe- the people you're going to have to ask questions, you're going to need to talk to them during business hours. So you may spend some late nights writing reports, but as, as a general rule of thumb, you're not going to have to be putting all those crazy hours. I mean, like incident response is another one that it's unpredictable. It could be late hours. But one of the things I'd say too is go to different conferences, take different types of training, really look at what it is that you enjoy. Uh, yeah. A story I like to share is one of my former coworkers at U.S. Bank. He was in IT and he was taking uh, courses through SANS for digital forensics. And he took several courses and he decided I'm going to take a pen testing course to be better at digital forensics. When he did that, he decided he liked pen testing better and now he's been pen testing for six years, seven years, something like that now.
1: Philip, this is a hard question to ask, but are there any things in your life that you wish you had done differently or like based on sort of your experience, the mis- some mistakes that you made that you, you want to like warn other people about? Like perhaps you didn't believe in yourself enough or you didn't go after a job because you felt that you weren't good enough, you know, imposter syndrome, something like that. But is there anything that you wish you had changed or done differently?
0: Sure. Like the imposter syndrome, I wish I would have went after things, you know, cause when I went to the pen testing role, I didn't have it, have that experience. But one of the things I think that's probably helped me the most is public speaking, just getting it, yeah. putting myself out there. Cause you know, the imposter syndrome thing, you think you don't have anything to share. You're not good enough. And once I got into public speaking, I realized I had something to share. I may not be the best, you know, there's people out there better, but you know, everyone, you know, not everyone's willing to share that information. And so I would have really wished I'd got into public speaking sooner. It could have advanced where I'm at now a lot quicker. So my first first time speaking was in twenty fifteen and then the next time wasn't until twenty eighteen.
1: Oh wow. So it's not like it's not long time ago. It's like fairly recently no. in the span of your career.
0: Yeah, so anyone that really wants to get into public speaking, the thing that helped me was Toastmasters. And through Toastmasters, what I really learned was when I was speaking, I didn't look nervous. And that was really more what I was worried about, the perception. Yeah. We would do video recordings of our presentations during our Toastmasters meetings. And I'd go back and look at the videos and I thought, I didn't look nervous. And the people say, Yeah, you did, and you did a good job. So sometimes we just kind of underestimate ourselves. We have that imposter syndrome. So that was able to help me get over it. And then speaking at conferences and doing the teaching and all that helped me get more confident in speaking. I mean, I remember this one time, you know, one time I had been very scared, nervous in front of a crowd. And now I don't care how big the crowd is. I would speak so I've over, overcome that imposter.
1: I mean, it's a problem for a lot of people, right? because um you look at other people and you think these guys are rock stars. I mean, I, I look at you and I think, man, amazing. Um, I could never be like that. So it's you need to just
0: you know accept who you are, right? And you know, I would just I'm gonna say too, I'm not a ninja pentester. I'm not, you know, I can do pen tests. There's people out there that are a lot better, but one of the things that's helped me, and being able to speak in public, be able to do things like this. I'm able to, to get opportunities. Some of my peers aren't getting because they're not putting their self out there. You know, sometimes some people in technology are very introverted. And so one of the things I'd advise is people yeah. try to get over, them. I'm a super shy person, but you put me amongst my peers or the people that are interested in things. I am, I can talk all day long. And so it's just put yourself out there, get to see people, know people. When you go to the conferences. If you're if you like CTFs, that's a good place for people that are kind of introverted to hang out. You get to meet other people and and just kind of relax. Because that's one of the things I I really share with people that are new, or even one that's not had done much networking. Go to these meetings. I mean, it's different if you put me in a room full of sales people. I'm going to be quiet, not say much. But you put me in a room full of uh, techies or security folks, you know, I'll I'll chat all day long. You know,
1: Philip, I really want to thank you for sharing and you know, for giving back to the community so much. Uh, Just for everyone who's watching, I'll say this. Philip is an amazing person. He's been so gracious with sort of eye interactions. Fantastic person to follow. So go and follow Philip, please, on Twitter or X. Go and watch his, or listen to his podcast. Go and watch his YouTube videos. Philip, thanks so much for sharing and giving back to the next generation.
0: Well, thanks for inviting me, and, and it's been an honor and a pleasure.